0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, he is good, isn't he? All the time, God is good. Amen. Well, our series is celebrating... I want to thank uh, Brother Bruce. Last week I heard a good report while I was out of town. So I was telling Brother Ed Bush, I said, I had to hurry get back in town. I I wouldn't have a job. Uh, Heard good reports. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you so much. A wonderful man of God, faithful man of God. We've been friends longer. Neither one of us want to say out loud. Isn't that right, brother? About 35 years. That's a long time, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk about today releasing liberty. You know, I, I shared with you uh, a week before last, you know, that proclamation always uh, precedes uh, uh, actually having our liberty. We, we talked about that. You know, in the natural, day, the, we had the, the Declaration of Independence, And, you know, as soon as that declaration was made, you know, you know what followed that was? It was a fight. It was on. A declaration. We talked about the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln signed, eliminating slavery. You know, but as soon as that proclamation was made, what? There was a fight that had to ensue. And it's the same thing with us as believers. When we begin to dare to stand up and say that what Jesus did at Calvary, shedding His blood, paying the price for our sin through His resurrection, we begin to say that we have been set free. I'm telling you, it's on. See, just because Jesus won that battle and we declare what God says that was accomplished at Calvary through the, the death, the Bear and the resurrection of Jesus, I'm telling you what, as soon as you stand for that, something starts happening. Because the enemy does not like it. And he does his best to hold you into captivity. We talked about that. And today we're going to talk about releasing liberty. You know, sometimes the difference between what we know as believers and what we're living as believers can seem pretty wide. Amen. A lot of times we know a lot more than we are able to actually demonstrate in our life. That's usually the way it is. Our knowledge precipitates and outstrips what we're living. But, you know, here's the thing. That's a good thing because that's what keeps pushing the envelope. When I look into this Word and the Holy Spirit begins to share things with me or I'm talking with a a friend or something and we're sharing about uh, the things of God and, and I gain more insight and all, that means what? That's new territory for me to press on into, isn't it? And so, you know, in Jesus' day, it was no different. If you want to, turn over to Luke chapter 4. When Jesus spoke in His hometown in the synagogue concerning the liberty that we're going to be re- referencing today. Did you know that Israel was an occupied nation? I mean, you talk about a, a contrast in circumstance. Here is Jesus, and of course, his fame had gone out after his baptism by John at Jordan. He'd gone into the, you know, 40 days and 40 nights fasting, being tempted of the devil. He comes back triumphant, and the Scripture says, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and his fame spread over all that region. Everybody was hearing about the miracles that he was doing. They were hearing about well, the, the way he taught with authority, and the things he had to say, and here comes Jesus in his hometown, and in the midst of a foreign occupation by the Roman uh, Empire, he begins to be- declare a message of liberty. Talk about crazy. And you know, as we look around us today, we've got some problems in our nation, don't we? Boy, <laughs> you have to be a genius to figure that out, do you? Just got to, if you're awake, you know that. So what do we do about that? When Jesus came into his hometown, you know, he didn't, he didn't come in there and say, you know, now here's what we're going to do. I'm raising an army, and we, I mean, we're going to run these Romans right on out of here. He said, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to get a petition going, and we're going to send it to Caesar, and we're going to complain about how they're misusing and abusing us. Well, I've done gone to meddling already and hadn't read my text yet, have I? I'm all for us exercising our citizenship rights. Don't misunderstand me. But don't let that think that that's going to be the solution that we really need to get to. We're going to get to, to, to the foundation, to the root of the thing this morning. The words he spoke from Scripture, I mean, you know, when they, they struck these people, let's just read it here in verse 18 says he found the place where it was written. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm proclaiming the good news. I'm proclaiming it to you. Now, what you do with it, that's between you and the Lord. He said, proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Well, when he proclaimed freedom for the prisoners, they were still prisoners, weren't they? When when Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, I mean, they were still slaves. I mean, the day he signed that, they were still people toiling in the fields. And so when we get up and we declare the freedom that Christ Jesus has provided for us by His death, His burial, His resurrection, you know, you've got to adjust your believing, you've got to adjust your thinking to a new dynamic. Thank you for that. Amen and come on. And recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now see, he read that everything was good up until then. But notice in verse 20, he said, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today. Everybody say Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Now, wait a minute. There were two prevailing attitudes in Jesus' day that were occupying the minds of the Israelites. There were those who were the zealots. And those were the ones that thought, you know, here's what we got to do. We got to Get together. We got to arm everybody. We got to raise up, you know, an army or at least, uh, you know, some fighters here. And we've got to begin to running these Romans out of our country. They were known as zealots. And then there was the rest of everybody else that had adjusted their thinking to the new reality. That is. The limitations that Caesar and Rome had decided to put upon them, and they had just adjusted their thinking to that reality. And though, you know, those two attitudes still prevail in the church today. There are those that think we've got, you know, through activism, we're going to make, you know, we're going to change everything and all. And like I said, I'm all for you exercising your rights as a U.S. citizen. But the bottom line is, is that you're not going to overturn Caesar that way. And, you know, we can bring that down to a personal level. Maybe maybe the enemy has a stronghold in our life. Maybe there's a habit. Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's something that we're dealing with and we've been dealing with it for years and and, you know and we've we've fought it, you know, as we say in the South, tooth and toenail. Now that means with all you got for those of you from another region. (laughs) You're fighting with all you have. Well, oh, you've got, I mean, you, I mean, you've done everything you know to do, and it just seems like you can't get over it. And so it's easy. We just adjust our attitude and say, Well, you know, this is just the way it is. I mean, everybody's got their weaknesses, everybody's got their faults, everybody's got their besetting sin. I mean, I got mine, you got yours, everybody, that's just the way it is. That was the prevailing attitudes that Jesus ran up against when he began to declare this amazing thing. And listen, this wasn't a new message to the Israelites. He was reading and quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He had made these statements hundreds of years before. And and one statement he made there at the end where he he said, he said to declare the year of the Lord's favor, he's referencing there Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, when God brought... Israel into the promised land he said now here's what's going to happen he said some of you are going to end up being in servitude to others and listen if you're in debt you're in servitude to somebody else and he said, you know, and some of them, they lost their farms, they lost their homes, they lost their property. And some of them even had to go and kind of go into servitude to someone else and work for them in order, to, you know, to feed their family. But there was something called a year of jubilee. A year of jubilee. Why don't we turn over there real quickly, if you would. Turn over to Leviticus. I'm just going to read. I would encourage you to go back. We're not going to for the sake of time. But I would encourage you to read this whole chapter. Now, we're just going to read a a few verses here so you can grasp what it is. Verse 8, Leviticus 25, count off, this is God speaking to the Israelites, count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years. So the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. Why? Because that's the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Now, on the day of atonement, you remember, the high priest went in to the Holy of Holies with the blood of a lamb, without spot or wrinkle, he caught that blood, In the basin, he took it into the holy of holies, and he sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat. You know, and in you know, under the mercy seat there were the ten commandments. There was Aaron's rod that budded, and there was a pot of uh, a golden pot with the manna that God used to feed them with. He sprinkled the blood on that. When he sprinkled the blood, that meant that all of the sins of the Israelites were covered and forgiven. And he said, at that moment, sound the trumpet. Now, the trumpet they blew was a silver trumpet. Silver is a type of redemption in the Scriptures. So once all their sins were forgiven and covered, God says, now this is the time to sound the trumpet. This is the time to what? Make your declaration of freedom. You're free. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are covered. There's no way the enemy can accuse you. Your sin debt is paid for. He said, consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land. This is why. Now, you know, Jesus has become our jubilee, hasn't He? Because the Bible says that, that He went into the heavenly holy of holies, Hebrews tells us. And there He sprinkled His own blood on the heavenly mercy seat. And the thing about it is... With, with, in the Old Testament, they had to do this every year. But with Jesus, because He was the perfect, spotless Son of God, once and for all, His blood has covered and forgiven us our sins. So now we can declare liberty and freedom, amen, in our land and to our land. And this is the real key, and this is what Jesus was telling them that day. He said, he said, you will declare liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. Wow. You think about somebody who had lost their farm, lost their property, lost their house. They were in servitude. Can you imagine when the year of Jubilee came, whoo, somebody started getting happy. Somebody started getting happy. Man, oh man, oh man. And as that seventh month approached, and man, tomorrow is the tenth day of the seventh month of the year of Jubilee. Boy, I'm telling you what, you wouldn't be able to sleep. Because I'm going to tell you What? Tomorrow, that the high priest is going to go in there. He's going to sprinkle that blood. That priest is going to get on that trumpet. He's going to sound that note, and I'm going home. Amen. I'm going home. I'm not going to have to work for this guy anymore. I'm going to go back to my property, my farm, my vineyards. I'm going to go back to my house, to my furniture, to my own bed. I'm going to be free and clear. Woo! Boy, don't you know you excited? Yeah. Man, that'd be like you—you you getting a, an official letter, you know, from some big law firm, reputable law firm, and says we just want to let you know that an anonymous person has paid off your mortgage, paid off your credit cards, paid off your automobile, paid off your student loans. Woo! There'd be a whole lot of shouting going on, wouldn't it? I mean, you wouldn't even wait to get in the house. you'd start out by the mailbox. <laughs> this is what Jesus was saying to these people. They had forgotten about their freedom. They had forgotten about their liberty. They had adjusted to a new reality. Well, you know, you know this is Rome, and I'm telling you what, you, you open your mouth too loud, and I'm telling you what, you're going to get smacked down. Them Romans are tough people. They're rough people. I mean, what Caesar says goes now. But Jesus came in and he said, I want to remind you of who you are. You're the people of God. You're the people that God has brought liberty to. He says, it is a jubilee. It is holy to you. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own possessions. Woo. Now, you know, here's the thing. When he declared this, you know what he was declaring? It was a year of release. It was a year of rest. It was a year of recovery. And really, you know what it was? Jubilee was a year of redo man you know i don't i don't pl- i don't play the you know the online games and stuff you know the video games but boy my kids grew up you know and they play them and i remember when they were still small at home they tried to get dad to do it and man i'm telling you i died so many times <laughs> but you know it was funny that little man he kept he'd pop back up and i'd get a redo you know what i'm talking about of course most of them you only had about three redos and then that was it and so they, they stopped inviting me to join them on their games because I, <laughs> I was not good. But, you know, in life, you know, sometimes we need a redo. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? We need a redo. And, boy, I'm telling you, these people in Jesus' day in that synagogue when Rome is occupied, Caesar was taxing them. He was, ex- 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 uh, he was getting tribute from them, excising tribute from them. And, and I mean, they were oppressed. They were oppressed. And Jesus came in and He said, here is the, here is the cure. Here is how you uh, can be set free. Here's how you can, uh, in the midst of your situation. He said, I'm declaring to you that there is a way out. There's a place of rest. There's a place of release. And there is a place of redo. Now here's the thing. When he declared that, they were all thinking about their circumstances. Just like many of you are now while I'm talking about this. But pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the setbacks I've had. You don't know the difficulties. No, I don't. But God does. I said God does. And really, if I knew him, I, you know, I probably couldn't change him anyway. But God knows and he's the one that can change them. So he's really the only one that needs to know and needs to understand. And Jesus was trying to get them to change their thinking. And, you know, you're going to have to change your thinking before your circumstance changes. Because we are living just as they were literally living in occupied territory. We also are living in occupied territory. The Bible says about Satan, the devil, that he is the God of this world. The, the word there translated W-R-L-D world, is cosmos, from the Greek word cosmos, and it means the world system. <clears throat> See, the world system is not the kingdom system. Amen? Amen. In the world system, you know, it says, you know, work all you can, uh, save all you can, and then sit on the can. (laughs) Nothing wrong with saving. But God says this. He He said, the generous man will prosper. The liberal man will prosper. Give, and it's going to be given back to you. He said, Bless those who abuse you and persecute you. Forgive those who do you wrong. Man, we're living in the world system. The world system says we're going to go back and we're going to find out everything you've ever done wrong and we're going to bring it out to the public. Isn't that what? That's the system we're living in now. It keeps going this way. I'm, I mean, I've never not voted, but I might abstain this next cycle. Because, I mean, after all, I mean, everybody's bringing up everybody's stuff from 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago. I mean, if we start throwing rocks at everybody, who's going to, I mean, you know. That's the world system. But God's system says, he said, forgive those who've done you wrong. Boy, I've not gone to meddling now. Living in occupied territory. They were living in a literal occupied territory, but so are we. We're living in an occupied territory where there's prejudice, there's racism, there's abuse, all kinds of things going on, addictions, all kinds of. Listen, if there's an area in your life that where the enemy's got a stronghold, listen, that's occupied territory. It might be fear. Maybe you just just fear grips you or you just cannot seem to stop worrying. I mean, you know, you doing it. Listen, that's occupied territory. It It can be all kinds of different areas where there's occupied territory, where the enemy has staked his claim and he says, I don't care what Jesus said. This is my place. This is my part. There were, in Jesus' day, there were pacifists and zealots. Same thing in the church today. The pacifists are the ones that just, you know, okay, we're living with a new reality. You know, this is just the way it is. I mean, none of us are perfect. Pastor, we're not going to be perfect on this side of heaven. Well, I would agree with that. But that still doesn't mean that I need to let the enemy occupy an area of my life. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell them. He said, you can be free today. You can be free. You know, it wasn't the Roman presence that was binding most of them. It was things that the enemy had put in their lives, had brought into their lives, because they forgot who they were, whose they were, and the covenant that God had given them. Leviticus 25 was just as true in Jesus' day as it was when God gave it back there hundreds of years before. My circumstance does not dictate how I interpret this book. I don't say, I, you know, I don't say, well, you know, I, since I'm not free... I mean, Jesus, you know, and then I'm going to get all metaphysical. Well, what Jesus was really saying was, one of these days we'll be free. (laughs) When we get to heaven, we'll be free. No, he said today. You know, when I need to be free, it's today, isn't it? I don't. You know, I don't need to be free in heaven because I'm going to be free then. I won't need any freedom. I have complete freedom. Today is the day I need God's salvation. Today is the day I need release. Isn't that right? Amen. So we need to understand this. You know, some people are still fighting the Romans in their life. Yeah. And you know, by that, by the Romans, I mean that thing that just, you know. That you're constantly battling. It might be fear. It might be doubt. It might be some. It could be some sexual sin. It could be abuse of alcohol. It could be some addiction. What, I mean the Roman. You know the Romans. I'm talking about here. It could be any kind of thing in your life. But we're so busy fighting the Romans. We, we forget what the real issue is. And sometimes the thing is not the thing. The thing is just a result of the thing. It is a symptom of the thing. Isn't that right? You know, if you go see a good doctor, you know, he will treat your symptoms, yes, but if he's a really good doctor and dedicated, he wants to move beyond the symptom, doesn't he, and find out what the real thing is. Get at the root of it. I remember reading a story years ago, uh, you know, uh, this, this small town was built there, you know, uh, on a river, on a stream, and uh, as the water was flowing down and people were drinking from it and using, you know, to cook with and do all kinds of things with, uh, you know, people begin to get sick, uh, you know, and they were trying to figure it out. What is going on? Why are, you know, why was it? Well, I mean, we've been using this stream, you know, we've been using this supply of water for, for years, you know, grandpa used it. I mean, it's always been good. Why are people getting sick? And they couldn't figure it out. And finally, some wise person decided, you know What? We need to go back upstream, and so they began to go back upstream, going back upstream till they finally got to where the source of that thing that, that water was coming up out of the ground, and an animal, a large animal had died, and his carcass had fallen over where that water was coming out, so that water was filtering through that co- that, that that, that carcass, and it was coming on downstream, and it was affecting them. But the thing that was making them sick wasn't the thing. Sometimes we've got to go back upstream. What, the anger might not be the thing. It might be that you need to go back upstream, and maybe you, need, you realize, you know, maybe you were a victim of abuse somewhere. And that carcass of abuse now has created downstream an anger. And, you know, I told you, you know, when when I was younger, I told you before I got saved, I'm telling you. Man, I'd taken so much off of an abusive dad and and people that abused me and cussed me and everything else. And I'm telling you, my fuse was this long. If you can't see that, there ain't nothing there. And I mean, it didn't take much to set me off. I'm telling you, I was mad. Angry. Listen, a whole lot of anger in our nation right now. Whole lot of anger going on. This one's mad at that one. That one's mad at this one. You did this. You said that. You did this 20 years ago. You did that. You did... And see, that's what the enemy always likes us to do. And the thing... It's not really the thing. And the same thing may be true in your life. You may, you may need to get in your prayer closet and go back upstream in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, show me. What's the, well, you know, maybe maybe it's, you're a controlling person. Why are you a controlling person? Whatever it may, you you may be prone to a certain type of addiction. You need to it maybe, you know, you go back upstream. You gotta deal with the carcass. Deal with the carcass. Amen. You know, one of the one of the ways we deal with this as we as we recognize, you know, okay, the thing's not the thing, and we begin to pray, and we begin to, to get into the Word, and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, and He begins to show us some things, you know, and we go back, and we find that point. You know, wouldn't it have been silly if those people who had finally, they traced it back, they found that dead carcass there, and they said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God, to get this carcass out of there, <laughs> that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. See, and, and see, some people because the the the, the thing that you, the symptom that you're at, you're praying and praying and praying, but you haven't got anywhere. You haven't got anywhere. You know, and then other people they're just mad that the carcass is there. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't put that carcass there. I don't know who did it, but they need to come back and get it out. I'm mad at God. God allowed that carcass to be there. I'm talking about these are the kind of attitudes you see in there. Listen, I'm in my 38th year of ministry, longer than that as a believer, and I'm telling you what, you know, you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You just stumble over a few things in 38 years, and you see these attitudes all the time. You know. Anybody in here, your life is perfect? I don't have my hand up. I'm just as illustration. No. No. And so we, we, we get angry or we pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. Or we're mad at God or we're, we're waiting for whoever hurt us to come back and fix it. I got news for you, honey. They ain't coming back to fix it. Come on. We see that in the political realm, don't they? Listen, those, dead, those people 200 years ago that, that did a lot of people wrong, they ain't coming back to fix it. They're dead. It's up to us to fix something. Isn't that right? We got to fix it. And Jesus said, one of the ways that we fix it, whatever it is, is we go back. I'm going to tell you one of the keys to starting to fix it is you're going to have to learn to, oh, yeah. Forgive. Oh, my goodness. Now, if you go on reading here in Jesus' day, when he made this sermon and he started amplifying on it, you know, about Naaman the Syrian, you know, getting healed. And about the widow at Sarepta, you know, that that God supplied the need for during the famine. He said, there were many lepers in Israel, but none of them got healed. Woo. a Syrian, a, an unbelieving, idol-worshiping general of the army, he got healed, and all oh, the nice religious folks in Israel, not one of them. Come on. boy's getting awful quiet in here. And same thing about the widow. He said there were middle, many widows in Israel during the the time of the famine. But none of them were sent to them. Why not? Because they did not exercise any faith. Amen. Yeah. Okay. I said, you got the starting place is forgiving. If somebody's hurt you, welcome to the human race. <laughs> now, I understand. We could all sit down and you might say, you had it harder than I did, or you were abused more than me, and, and I might could agree with you. But, you know, sick is sick. Yeah. Yeah. You know? How dead is dead. I mean, we were, you know, so we, we all have been hurt. We all have been abused. And, and some of those people that did, they're not coming back. They're not going to fix it. And so, it, you know, it's up to us to move the carcass that's polluting the stream in our life. Because we can be a believer, we can be a Christian. Jesus said, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But if we got that carcass there that that living water is flowing through, it can manifest itself in anger and some kind of addiction, some kind of prejudice, fear, worry that you just can't seem to shake. I'm trying. So we got, you know, just like they had literal occupiers, there's some modern-day occupiers in our land. And it's unfortunate, in Jesus' time, in, in, in his hometown there, he, when he was trying to show them the way out, they got mad. They did. You read it over there. They got mad. I mean, they just pulled him right out of the pulpit, and they were ready to throw him off a cliff. Woo, boy, saved, sanctified, I mean, sanctified. Let's don't get mad. Listen, we can all say, you know, we've been hurt, we've been injured, people have done us wrong. It might be, in some of our cases, it could go back, you know, several generations. But you know what? That Looking at all that, And me feeling sorry for you and all of that and empathizing with you and all that, that's still not going to make you any better. If you went to the doctor and you told him what was wrong with you and he said, well, bless your little old heart. And then sent you home. What good would that do you? Man, I want some medicine. I want some wisdom. I want some treatment. I want want to get better. If we were more concerned about getting better than placing blame, we'd be a whole lot better. The blame is the devil. Amen. And devil works through all kinds of flesh. White flesh, black flesh, brown flesh, red flesh. If there's flesh and it's not consecrated to God, the devil's going to work through it. Can I hear a holy amen? So let's don't let the devil get us all off track on that. They're modern day occupiers and we need to recognize that. It can be doubt. It can be unbelief. It can be some habit that just grabs a hold of us that we can't seem to shake. Whatever it might be, it, for some people, you know, it can be uh, poverty. Man, I grew up. You are talking about poor? Woo, my picture was beside it. You know, where did poverty in the encyclopedia? Uh, my picture was there. Man, I thought people that you know that you know some of you young folks you're gonna have to Google this. You know, but they used to have, you know, used to have out in the country, you had a a well, you know. Now, but now here's the thing. There were three classifications, okay. Now, there was the rich folks that had a well, but they had an electric pump that pumped that thing into the house. Ooh, they was uptown. Then there was the middle class poor. They had a hand pump. And then there was us. You walked out into the yard. It wasn't right there on the back porch. No, it was out in the yard, and you let down the bucket. And you pulled it back up by hand. We didn't even have one of those crank things. We just had a rope with a wheel over, you know, on pulley. Some of y'all, I'm telling you, no, we didn't have a bath. We had a path. But It can be any kind of things that can get, you know, can get a hold of you. Sometimes it's even generational. All kind of occupiers. So let's talk about, real quickly, because my time given up. How many give you about ten more minutes, will you? Y'all getting anything out of this? So restoring liberty to the land. There's three things I want to just mention real quickly here. That is, Releasing our brothers, releasing ourselves, and releasing our nation. And all three of those is desperately needed in our nation. Releasing our brothers, releasing our family members. I'm telling you, sometimes the hardest people to forgive are those who are the closest to us. Because they have a lot of times hurt us the most, and the most frequently. Isn't that right? I mean after all the people you're around the most they have the most opportunity don't they <laughs> They have the most opportunity to to you know to upset your little cart to to bump into you to say things that are hurtful to do things that are hurtful to do all kind of things so you know the, it starts out we got to learn to forgive and release You you remember the parable Jesus gave about the man that was uh, you know over his head in debt old millions of dollars to the king. King said, well, sell him, sell everything he owns, and at least I'll get some return. And the guy fell down and said, be patient with me, and I will pay you all. Well, <laughs> right. Sure you are. And the, and the king was moved with compassion. He said, okay, you know, here's what I'm do. I'm going to forgive the whole debt. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? And, you know, that's really what God's done for us, hasn't it? We know that's a picture of what he's done for us. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. That's grace. Isn't that right? But then Jesus said there was a fellow servant. The same servant went out and found a fellow servant that owed him a couple of bucks. He said, pay me pay what you owe me. He said, I can't. He said, but give me time and I will pay you. Well, that was reasonable. I mean, he could probably pay the guy ten bucks back. I mean, you know. But instead, he got bad and put him in debtor's prison. Boy, that's, that's somebody that's really got a thankful heart, isn't it? Not. Think about this the next time when you're tempted to hold on to a debt somebody owes you. A hurt, a wrong, an abuse, whatever it might be. Think about for a moment how much God's forgiven you. Think about How you've wronged God. Thought, word, attitude, actions. And yet he freely forgives you all that. Can't we then forgive our family members, our brothers and sisters, the equivalent of that $10? Oh, I know it hurts. Of course it hurts. If it didn't hurt, we wouldn't have an issue with it, would we? I mean, you know, a fly lands on me. I don't go to the emergency room. I just brush it, isn't that right? Sure. I mean, the whole reason we're having the issues is cause it hurt. It hurt me, and then and we can get in all the well, it shouldn't hurt you at all. Well, whatever. It hurt me. That's the first thing you face. It hurt me. Okay. Then you know what? I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to stop rehearsing it, nursing it, and I'm going to let it go. Thank you, President. We have to learn to release our brothers. You can read about that in Matthew 18. We need to learn to release people. Then Jesus said this in this same parable. He said, when we forgive others, we bring a release to ourselves. Jesus said this. He said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it. And you'll have it. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He just gave you a blank check there. But there's a fine print that follows that. When you stand praying, forgive. Hello. Don't, don't forget that part. When you stand praying, forgive. The reason a lot of people, their prayer life's not working for them is because what? You're in debt. You've got a forgiveness debt that is way up there. And you need to let it go. And you know what you'd find out if you'd let go of that debt where people owed you? You know? Because if somebody did me wrong, that means they owe me. They, they, they owe me a, an explanation. They owe me an apology. They owe me a, a reparation. They owe me, they should pay me back. They should, they that's a debt, isn't it? When you forgive that, some people, if they would just do that, all of a sudden they see a backlog of prayers they've been praying, start to be answered. So we need to release ourselves and then release our nation. Turn to Jeremiah. I'm going to close with this one real quickly. Jeremiah chapter 34. Listen to this, verse 8, the Lord came to Jeremiah from, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from, the, uh, uh, to King Zedekiah uh, who had made a covenant with the people of, uh, in Jerusalem to proclaim freedom for the slaves. In other words, they were restoring Jubilee here, verse 8. He said, uh, everyone was to free their Hebrew slaves, both male and female. No one was to hold a fellow Hebrew in bondage. So all the officials and the people who entered into this covenant agreed that they would free their male and female slaves and no longer hold them in bondage. In other words, they restored Jubilee. Because they'd been living all this time and instead of, you know, when the time was up for, for them to be set free, they just said, you know what? You're going to stay a slave. I don't, care what, I don't care what this book says. You, you owe me. I don't care what the covenant says. You owe me. Awful quiet in here. It says they they agreed and set them free. But afterwards, say afterwards, they changed their minds and took back the slaves they had freed and enslaved them again. When we refuse to forgive, We enslave one another. And I want to tell you something. Just as in Jeremiah's day, a whole nation, a whole nation was in slavery to one another. And by a simple act of forgiveness and release, a nation was freed. But then they said, you know what? I don't care what God has said. I don't care what this book says. I don't care what the covenant that we have with God says. I'm going to tell you what. I'm not letting go of them. I'm not letting go of that debt. I'm not letting go of that hurt. They hurt me, and I'm telling you what, the longest day I live, I'm going to hold it against them. You know what you've done? You've just brought them back into slavery. And in our nation, We're so busy blaming one another for so many things. We have become a nation of slaves to one another. You hurt me, I hurt you. This group hurt that one, that group hurt this one. You did this wrong, you didn't do that right, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. And we're so busy throwing rocks and accusing one another, and the enemy is sitting back and laughing. Because the devil don't care whether you're black or white or red or striped or polka dot. He don't care. He hates all men and women, because we' all made in God's image, and he hates us all. And there's nothing he likes better than to get us divided at one another, especially in the church. And here's what we' got to do. We've got to say, you know what? You know what? People have done me wrong. That's a fact. Nobody's denying the fact. We've all been done wrong. People, some pe- people have hurt us. People have abused us. People have, have done us wrong. Sometimes one group of people have abused another group of people. Nobody's denying that. But here's the thing I want to move past that and get to the thing that is the thing. And that is how do we get free? How do we get whole? How do we get God moving, not only in the church again, in my life, in my family, and in my nation again? And it's going to start by doing what we're talking about here. We've got to release. We've got to let go of the hurt. We've got to forgive and begin to move forward. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I know this is not popular. I, you know. You wonder why they took those people? Why why they set them free? And then they had a second thought because what? I mean, man, I got all this free labor here. I got all these people doing something. Now all of a sudden, man, I man, I got to open these can of beans. <laughs> I got to go out there and pick the beans. I got to go out there and do this now. Oh, boy, I was all excited when we were in church. Pastor North was talking about that. Yeah, I'm ready to let them go. But man, when I get back out here and I start thinking about, you know what they did to me. I'm going to tell you what down, I mean, you know, I, I know Pastor Norris didn't mean that. He couldn't have meant that. Yeah, I meant that. Better yet, God meant that. I, I want to be free, don't you? I don't want the devil to have an inroad on me. Just because he used somebody to abuse or hurt me. We're not denying. That's real. Of course that's real. But I'm talking about the cure. Okay? I'm talking about the cure. I mean, if somebody gave you a million dollars, would you care whether they were white or whether they were black? Boy, I wouldn't. Man, come lay it up on me. I don't care female, young, old, middle-aged. If you if you if you physically challenge it, I mean it don't matter. The millions a million, isn't that right? We're made in God. listen, church, we're made in God's image. I don't don't look at this exterior. On the inside, we're all the same. We're made in God's image, isn't that right? We've all been hurt. We've all been abused. But today, just like Jesus, I'm declaring today is the day of liberty. Amen? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're we're having communion today. If you didn't get the elements, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will bring you some communion elements. This communion that we're about to partake of, the Lord's table, you know, among other things, it is a declaration of our liberty. It absolutely is. The, the, the bread and the cup that we're going to partice- uh, partake of in just a moment, you know what this is? This is, in microcosm, a declaration of all That God provided for us in Christ Jesus. And it means that we can go free, just like the Israelites did in Jubilee. We can go free, and we are to set our brothers and sisters free who have in any way become indebted to us. I don't care how they've hurt you, how they've abused you, you know, today is the day of being set free. Isn't it? Don't you get tired of carrying that grudge around? Them things get heavy, don't they? Those emotional uh, uh, grudges and hurts and things, they just don't, I mean, they, they rob your sleep. You don't have peace of mind. You can't concentrate. It, it builds barriers around you so that you can't make new friendships and relations. It's all kind of junk that it does. Isn't it true? Don't you t- Jesus said, come to me, all you are heavy laden. Well, they weren't all carrying, you know, grindstones around with them. They weren't they didn't all have an ox on their shoulders. What was the heavy burden he was talking about? The things we've just been talking about here. The abuses, the hurts that pile up on us and that we've piled up on others. Come on, we're not totally innocent, are we? I got to admit, you know, I've I've hurt people. I've not always done right by everybody. I'm I'm not perfect. I don't claim but, but I mean I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just saying, you know I'm not only part of the solution, I've been part of the problem. That's all I'm trying to say. So I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But here's the thing, we can get out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to partake of the body through the bread and the cup is the blood. But before we do, we're going to declare liberty in our lives Maybe you're hearing somebody, you, you know, something especially the Holy Spirit's just brought up to your mind. A particular hurt or abuse. Or there's an area where you just haven't been able to get rid of, of fear or worry or something that grips you. We're going to take a moment and pray before we partake of this, uh, the Lord's table. And just allow the Holy Spirit, would you just shut yourself in there for a moment, just with the Holy Spirit. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to point out that that area, maybe where that carcass is polluting the waters, that's stealing your peace, that's stealing your joy, that, that is just a, 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 a hurt, from, maybe from an abuse or whatever it might be. And as we partake of the Lord's table in just a moment... We're going to let that go. We're going to let that go. Holy Spirit, I thank you for shining your light into our hearts. Lord, where people have hurt us, we've been hurt, we've been injured, we've been abused. Maybe, maybe by people who are, who are gone on. They've left this planet. But Lord, as we prepare to partake of this covenant meal, by your grace... By an act of our will, we forgive and we release them. We release them. We say they do not owe us anything. They do not owe us an explanation. They do not owe us an apology. They do not owe us anything. We freely forgive. And Lord, as we forgive, I thank you that that thing that has been so strong in our lives It's broken, its power is broken, and its its strength is dissipated in our lives. Father, thank you for the broken body of Jesus. It was broken for us, oh God, that we might be whole, that we might have soundness in our bodies, in our lives. Thank you, Father. By the broken body of Jesus, we are made whole. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Let's eat together. If you need healing in your body, just receive it. Receive it. Not in every case, but sometimes what prevents our healing can be the fact that we need to release somebody. That's not true in every case. But if the Holy Spirit speaks that to you, you need to let that go. Let that go. Bitterness is a poison to our spirit and to our bodies. Let it go. Father, thank you for the blood, the precious blood of Jesus, without spot, without blemish, the very lifeblood of the Son of God, so powerful, so powerful that it has blotted out all of our sins. They're they're not only covered, but Lord, they're removed from us. And that, Father, we're restored into right relationship with you. We are made sound again in our minds, in our spirits, in our emotions. Lord, we declare the blood of Jesus is more than enough to cure us and to make us whole. And as we receive forgiveness by the blood, we freely give forgiveness to others By the same grace in this blood. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, let's drink. Let me read you what Paul said here. He said, Is not the cup of thanksgiving which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation? a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf we who are many are one body and we all share the one loaf we participated in the broken body in the shed blood of Jesus this morning by this covenant meal but listen by extension as we forgive and release others We partake of the fullness of that liberty. Jesus has come to set you free. He's come to make you whole. And let me just say this. If you've never received Jesus as Savior, that's the starting place. The Bible says that Jesus came and he died at a place called Calvary. That that there were lashes laid upon his back that nails pierced his hand and his feet, and a spear pierced his side, and a crown of thorns was pushed down on his head. That blood poured out for the remission and the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. And he said, Paul said this, he said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, believing on him believing that he's been raised from the dead believing in the power of his blood he said you'll be saved that word saved is not not meant to be a churchy thing or a religious thing it just means this it means that you receive deliverance you receive freedom you come back into right relationship with God if you've never done that you need to do that before you leave today now I know a lot of times we pray and we lead people in prayer but you know nowhere in the Bible where it really anybody ever shows anybody praying that way Did you know that? That blows our mind, isn't that right? Paul talked to the jailer after the earthquake. He just said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Cornelius and them, they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody's prayed for them yet that I know of. See, we we think it's got to be done a certain way. No, what matters is the issue of the heart. What are you believing? Amen? Praise God. Well... Just before we close, we got to say goodbye to some people. Uh, Thaddeus, Michaela, y'all come up here. They're going to leave us. Oh. Oh, come up here and stand by me. Oh, come up here, hon. Oh. They are precious. Wonderful people that love God and have loved this church. Listen, so many of the things you may not be aware of. You know, this beautiful platform here. These guys did it. The ship lap, all the lighting out there in the foyer. They made it so wonderful. All the work they've done in the youth hall, in the middle school, helping me set up the video and getting all that worked out and the lights. And, I mean, so many things I can't even remember them all. These guys just came in. Amen. They have pitched in. I mean, Thaddeus, they'd be up here after after they'd worked. Now, you know, they they were here, you know, with the Montgomery Ballet. But also, they worked jobs besides the Montgomery Ballet. And there's many a night, especially when we are first getting in this building, we'd come up here, I'd meet, especially because Usually we're working at night, but a lot of times Michaela was up here too. He'd come up here, he'd meet me, and I'd stay up here with him to 8, nine, ten o'clock, and then I'd just lock him in the building. <laughs> tell him, well, just, you know, set the alarm when you go. He'd stay up here working on, come on. I mean, now that's, that's a heart for God. That's a heart for, for God's people. And I tell you, the Bible says... The Bible says that, you know, that we are to honor them. And so I wanted to bring them up. We're going to pray over them. Now, here's the thing, church. Listen. Before they leave, you know, they're getting ready. They're moving to San Antonio. Isn't that right? They're moving to San Antonio. Anybody ever moved? I mean, even going across town, it costs money, don't it? And they're going to move to San Antonio. So here's what we're going to do. You know what? I'm not going to receive a special offering for them this morning or anything, but here's what I would say to you, church. Listen. If you're able, uh, you know, bless these people before they leave today. You know, we used to, years ago, we used to do something called the Pentecostal handshake. Anybody know what that is? That's a handshake with some money in it. But if you're able to bless them before they leave today, don't y'all rush off. You know, let God bless you. But, you know, if you're able to, you know, give, give what you can, $10, $20, some, maybe more, to help them in their moving. Amen. I'm telling you what, we we couldn't pay them for what, you you know what it would cost us if we'd had somebody come in with this kind of knowledge and expertise, it would have cost us thousands of dollars. Amen. Amen. Be happy about it. (laughs) It's a good thing. Amen. And you're going down there, they're going to be uh, uh, connecting with family, your family's down there, and you guys are gonna, already got a church that you're going to be involved in and everything. And so, uh, you know, while we hate to see them go, we rejoice in that God is directing their path. He's guiding their path. You know, I'm, I, everybody's different. You know, I'm one of those kind of people like, you know, when, when I make friends and I, I, I wish I could just hang on to everybody the whole time. Amen. You know, there's people that has come through this church. They're on the mission field. They're in other churches, and God's directed them there. And we're happy about that. I am in the spirit. But, boy, I'd like, I, I can't, that's why I can't wait till we get to heaven. We can all be together then. There won't, won't be no parting aways ways then. i I've been, you know, I'm one of those. I, I, man, I tell you, I want to keep you. Man, you know, not, not in a possessing way, but I mean, you know, I, I love people. And I love these guys, and they've been such a blessing to Cindy and I into to Passion Church. Would you just stretch your hand up this way, and we want to bless them. Father, I thank you for this beautiful couple. God, and I, outside, and, but especially inside. What a heart and a love they have for you and, and for the people of God. Lord, they've been such a rich treasure and a rich resource for us here at Passion Church. How they have blessed and refreshed Cindy and I, and how they have blessed this church and enabled us, Lord, to just to just present the gospel in a more excellent fashion. I thank you for them, for every hour, Lord, that they've invested. Lord, I pray that you would repay them, Lord. What only you can repay. God, open doors for them as they go forth to San Antonio. Bless them, oh God. Bless the work of their hands there. God, I thank you for a safe journey. Lord, I just thank you that blessing after blessing overtakes them in San Antonio. God, I just thank you that you're the strength of their life. That you continue to direct their path and fulfill your good and perfect will in their lives. We bless them spirit, soul, and body. We bless them financially, O God. And in every way, may your grace abound toward them. Father, we bless them as they go. We speak peace over their lives, health over their body. Thank you, Father. Thank you for favor there in San Antonio. Open doors. Great blessing. Returning back to them. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, speak to the hearts of your people here, Lord, as to what they should give. Lord, may we be liberal in our giving as they have been liberal to give to us here at Passion Church. In Jesus' name. All people, God's people said. Would you give them another big God bless you? Thank you. We love you guys.